her problem. It was gone. She'd lived with it for 12 long years. Nobody had done anything for her. But as soon as she touched his clothing, she was healed. It was a, an instant miracle. And immediately, the, her issue of blood staunched. And you know what you would have thought next? You would have thought, okay, I'll just get out of here as quick as I can and, and handle this and, and deal with this. And nobody's going to know it was me and I'll just go back and, and do whatever. But that's not going to happen. Because <clears throat> Jesus says, and Jesus said, who touched me? Oh, no. She's caught. So everybody's denying it. I don't know whether she denied it or not, but they're all saying, not me, not me, not me. By the way, isn't it kind of incredible? They're all saying, who touched me? When Listen, there must have been dozens of people that touched him. But you see, there are different kinds of touches. There's, there's the touch, a hostile touch, uh, where somebody wants to hurt you. The religious leaders are going to touch Jesus with a hostile touch. And, and, and then there's a touch of curiosity from the crowd milling around Jesus. Then there's a touch of faith. And Jesus knew the difference, even if the disciples didn't. He, he knew what had happened. Somebody had touched him in faith, and he, he's not going to let this moment go. <clears throat> and um, when she realizes, maybe it's a look from him. Maybe it's just that moment when she realizes I'm not going to get away with this. He's not moving on. They all want him to move on. Peter's saying, listen, I'm going to go to Jairus' house and get this child uh, healed. Jairus is saying, come on, Jesus. Yeah, don't worry about it. Come on. But, but he's not moving. He's saying, who touched me? And, and he's looking around. And, and, the crowd, and, and you have to know that he knows who touched him. He knows who's just been healed. Nothing is by accident. He was on that street, in that place, for that moment, for that woman, and he knew all about it. And so he looks around, and she looks, and she realizes there's no way out of this. So <clears throat> verse 47 says, And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. Why is she trembling? Because she's terrified. The jig's up. She's unclean, and not only has she been in the crowd and made a whole bunch of other people unclean, but she's touched the rabbi and made him unclean. This could be awful. This could be terrible. So she comes trembling, and then she falls down before him, and she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? He's perfectly within his rights to rebuke her. What were you thinking of? You've made us all unclean. Everybody in the crowd by this time is unclean because they're all touching each other. And if you hadn't touched her, you'd touch somebody who touched her. Everybody was unclean. What's he going to say? So she's terrified. What's he, what's he going to say? What's, what's he going to do? And <clears throat> but he does exactly what she doesn't expect him to do. Let me skip over verse 0.4 and come back to it in a second. Right? 
And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Not only does he not rebuke her, but he says, Daughter. And that's a real tender term. That's not, uh, he only used that term once. It's a, it's a very endearing term. It's daughter. <clears throat> um, be of good comfort. It's okay. It's fine. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. It's okay. I, I've sorted it. You're all right. Well done for coming. No rebuke. No telling her uh, that she's defiled everybody, that she's made everybody unclean. No, daughter, you're okay. Your faith has made you whole. You're, you're, you're fine now. Do you know that sometimes we feel, I'm not good enough, you wouldn't be interested in me. Sometimes we feel like, you know what, <clears throat> I, I don't deserve. I, I have no right to even ask. And in one sense, we're right. But you know, that's not the issue with Jesus at all. It never is. Do you know, when Jesus looked at this woman and said to her daughter, she never met him before. Maybe she barely knew his name. When Jesus looked at her and said, daughter, she was the only one in the world. She was the only one there. He didn't care about Peter telling him, come on, Lord, we got to go. He didn't care about Jairus saying, come on, my daughter. He didn't care about the rest of the crowd pushing and shoving. She was the only one. Jesus stopped, and she was the only one. Do you know that he does that for you and I too? We're not just part of the crowd. We're, we're, we're not just one of the many. You're his. He, he loves you. He makes time for you. He makes you special. You see, she was nobody, but he made her somebody. And everybody's been talking about her ever since. Ever since. You got to meet her in heaven. And you know, <clears throat> think about when you meet her in heaven, and you ask her, what great thing did you do for God? She's going to say, well, well, well I, I, I touched his garment as he was passing by. That's really all I did. But everybody knows you. Everybody's heard about you. Yeah, but that's all I did. I touched. Do you know you don't have to do anything great to be somebody in the kingdom? All you have to do is exercise simple, feeble sometimes faith. And that's what she did. She just touched it. And because she risked it because she stepped out in faith because she left her home and she made her way through the crowd and she risked the rebuke and she risked the shame and she touched him she was made whole she walked away different and it's one of the sweetest miracles that we see because she was nobody he made her somebody and she's everybody just like you and me. There are no great ones in the kingdom. There are no people that have got it all together and worked it all out and are super Christians. No, there's not. There's, there's, there's a super Christ. But all the rest of us are just broken. All the rest of us come to him with our broken bits.
And He touches us again and again. And He looks on us with love and He lifts us up and He helps us even though we've got no hope. We've got no rights. We're just nobodies. But He makes us somebody. Don't ever let people tell you that you're nobody. To Him, you're somebody. To Him, you're special. You're the one and only you. And He loves you not because you're good, because if that was the way, <clears throat> we'd be in the place where we had to maintain that. No, He loves you because He would love you. Why do you love this woman? Because she had a need and she came to Him. Yeah, that's important. You and I have needs that we need to bring to Him. I think most of us do what this woman did. We spend 12 years at least hawking our needs around, trying to get somebody to fix them. Trying to find some way, trying to sort them out in some way. And eventually, when we're desperate enough, when we come to the end of ourselves, when we have no hope, isolated, sick, poverty-stricken, worn out, we come to Him. And He says, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And of all the problems that you ever had in your life, the problem of salvation is the biggest one. And he fixed it, didn't he? Just because you came. Just because you came and reached out, he fixed it. He fixed that problem. Now, I wish I could say to you that he'd fix all the problems in your life the same way and he'd fix them instantly like he did for this woman. He doesn't. A lot of the problems he's got there on purpose. But, you know, in the moment that Jesus looked at this little woman and said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. You know, her problem didn't matter. All she saw was Jesus. And every problem she ever had was just made secondary in Him. And do you know that even when Jesus doesn't fix your problems, He will look at you and He will comfort you because you're His. Because He loves you. you got to bring them to Him. I was thinking about it. <clears throat> what, what, what would have happened if this woman had never come? What if she just said, oh, I've tried everything. There's no way I'm never getting over this thing. And she hadn't come. She'd not have been healed. You have to come. You got issues and problems that you need to come with? Bring them. Bring them to him. Listen, you may need to talk to somebody else after you've talked to him, but talk to him first. Bring your he cares. And you will walk away knowing you're somebody and knowing you're comforted because of him. Bring it to him. You're special to him. Now let me backtrack. Uh, <clears throat> I'll give you truth about ministry here. <clears throat> In verse 46 it says, And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me. For I perceive the virtue has gone out of me. Let me say this to those of you that minister. I'm not supposed to minister. When you minister, power goes out of you. There's no way to avoid it. You can't minister in your restraint, so power goes out of you. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has a busy day in his life. And in that busy day, if you... If you if you read through the chapter, it keeps saying this, and immediately, and immediately, and then he did this, and then he did that. And then in the evening, they brought all the town to him, and he healed all their illnesses. 
And you know what you and I want to do when we have a busy day like that, when we're ministering, when we're outputting? What we want to do is we want to just rest. We want to just sleep. Now, sleep's a good thing. You do need sleep. I'm not saying you don't need sleep. But do you know where Jesus is found the next morning? Rising up a great while before day, he went into a desert place alone to pray. Do you know what he does? He's had all this output on the day before. So you know what he needs? He needs to get alone with his father. And if you minister and you don't get alone with your father, you will run dry. And you will come to the place where you can no longer minister. Virtue goes out. Power goes out. I mean, it's not your power. Uh, it's his power. But, but you need to replenish it inside yourself. I think every believer, every believer needs to spend time with God every day. I, I think there's no way for you to be a real Christian in the sense of living the reality of Christianity, apart from spending time with him every day. Now, sometimes we look at that as being a burden. Oh, I've got to read my Bible today. Nobody's making you read your Bible today. Nobody makes you eat your dinner. They don't need to. Most of us, we're healthy. We have appetites. We go looking for dinner, don't we? You know, if you go home from church today and it goes 3 o'clock and there's no dinner, you're going to be saying, um, what's happening with the food here? Um, or you'll be making something for yourself. <clears throat> Nobody has to make us eat dinner. Do you know you need time with him just as much as you need food? And after a while, you get to the place where it's kind of the same to you. I need it. Because the reality is, Jesus said this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. When Jesus was with Mary and Martha, and they're having their kerfuffle about uh, who's going to make dinner, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's slaving away in the kitchen, and all our hearts go out to Martha, because we want, well, Jesus, get her sorted out. I mean, she's sitting around doing nothing. We've all been there with that, that person who was sitting around doing nothing while we were working, right? And, and, and Jesus says... Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and it's not dinner. Mary hath chosen that one thing, that good part, and it shall not be denied. I'm not going to send her away. She's chosen the most important thing. And dinner's not the most important thing. Being with him is the most important thing. Do you know that you and I need to reckon on that reality? We need to be with him. That needs, it's, it's, it's not a duty. It's not a chore. In one sense, it's a spiritual discipline that we develop. But it's an absolute necessity. I need to be with him. Teenagers, listen, develop the habit when you're young. Develop the habit when you're young. You'll find it's amazing what it does in your heart and in your life. I think the youth group has a challenge going on right now uh, to read a chapter of the Bible uh, every day. Do it. And don't, don't let it just be for a month. Let it be something that gets into your soul because you'll find it floats your spiritual life like nothing else will. You need him. You need him every day. And then in closing, let me make two points for you. See in this story the sensitivity of Jesus? No, no, nobody has to go knocking on his door, banging on his door and saying, please help this woman. 
Don't we sometimes think, you know, oh, yeah, well, I need to pray more about it. If I pray more about it and I knock on heaven's door more, you know what, I'll get answers. Jesus knows exactly what you need right now. He's not waiting to be informed. He may want to engage you, but he's not waiting for you to inform. He knows exactly what's going on with you. He knows your needing. He knows your heart. He, he knows your burden. He knows the unfairness. He knows all of it. Jesus is so sensitive to us. When you come with your burdens, other people may, you know, may shrug you off. You know, the disciples would have shrugged this woman off. She was getting in the way. They were, they were on a mission. Aren't we like that? On a mission. We're going to Jairus' house. His daughter is sick. And we're on a mission. We're going to Jairus' house. And this woman's an interruption. But not to Jesus. He knows exactly what you need. He knows where you're at. And he is sensitive to your needs. You don't have to fear rejection with them ever. Right? Second thing is this. It's amazing the power of feeble faith. You know, <clears throat> wouldn't you like to think that you got saved because you had come to that place where you believed above all else that <clears throat> Jesus was God and that the blood was the way and everything else? You didn't. Somebody told you about a man that died 2,000 years ago on a cross and shed blood to save you from your sin. And somehow, inside yourself, you came to the place where you said, yeah, I need that. And so what did you do? You, you, you reached out and touched. And you were instantly healed. Everything was changed in a moment. You were born again. You were instantly fixed, instantly healed. You, you know, it doesn't take great faith. It just takes faith enough to reach out. If you're not saved today, you can get saved today. You just have to reach out. Lord, save me. I need to be saved. You know what? He'll fill all, all the blanks for you. He'll help you understand all that that means if you just reach out. You got a problem or a difficulty today? Just reach out. Go to him with it. Stop hawking your problems around. Trying to get people to sort you out and understand. And, and you'll just wear out doing that. Just reach out. Jesus cares and he has the answers. And even if he doesn't fix it the way you want it fixed, you know what? He'll fix it with himself. I think the greatest promise in the Bible is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Which means that whatever else I have to endure... Whatever else is coming my way in this broken world, I always have him. I always have him. And you know, when you reach out, he's there. So don't miss it. Reach out. Let's stand for prayer. Father, would you bless us, Lord? We need you to take the word, Lord, and to make it real in our hearts and lives. Bless your people, Lord. Lord, may we cry out to you. May we reach out and touch you, Lord, all the time. And may we know the sweetness of your comfort, Lord. For that one that's not saved, Lord, may today be the day when they bow before you and trust you. Blessed Spirit of the living God, we're crying out to you. We're asking you, would you do the work in our hearts and draw us to you?
Because, Lord, we know that you're the answer to all our problems. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. As far as giving is concerned, uh, because we weren't able to rent out that side of the building this year, there is a deficit in our budget. But you know what? I think God plans for us to meet it, and I believe that we can. Uh, so we ask you to get involved in that. Vincent. So almost 40 years ago, uh, I was saved. I asked the Lord to save me on the 10th of August, 1980, and uh, he did. And I'm going to heaven. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm glad about that. Uh, but um, there was very few of us at that point. Um, in fact, only a couple of weeks after I got saved, we started the church. And there was, a, as I say, a few of us. And uh, then as I started to read the Bible and find out about uh, God's ways, um, I was introduced to the idea of giving. And I'd never really, you know, um, you put like two and six in the in the plate in the Catholic Church and you, you feel happy and it's good. But then suddenly there was just a couple of us, as I say, and um, God wanted to do something different and we were the church and we had to um, start giving and tithing was obviously in the Bible. Um, but um, remember the first thing I had to make a decision was about was I just left IBM uh, a short while ago working for them and uh, started my own business and I was working seven days a week uh, and I believed God wanted me to stop working on Sunday and give that day to him, church, and give just that day to him. And um, uh, But I couldn't figure out the income. But I did it, and then I realized that six days' income was more than seven days' income. And uh, God was starting to bless, and I saw great blessing in my life. Um, different things happened, and God blessed and then we bought the, the building here, um, and I can remember God gave me a vision about all he wanted to do, but not, not didn't know everything, but I knew he wanted the church established and built in this place. Um, and it was scary um, because we had taken a mortgage, and there wasn't that many of us. Um, but God, God met every time we looked to him uh, to meet those, those needs. Um, but we had to take it on ourselves. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And then, um, I mean, I experienced much blessing all the way through, um, and then I became ill. Um, and so with illness come, and you're working for yourself, you um, lose uh, some income, and uh, then giving becomes a bit more difficult and a bit scary. Uh, but God gave me a verse as I looked to him. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing. And be careful, you could say, be anxious for nothing. Be scared about nothing. Um, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And um, it's easy to be scared when we give, because as we give, that money's gone. And you might have had 100 pounds or 100 euros, but you no longer have 100 pounds. It's less, um, but God says be careful or anxious about nothing, and you really have to look to Him for that. And I promise you, as I, I experienced then the illness, and I uh, came on first name, term, name terms with all the uh, staff in Tala Hospital's uh, urology department, and um, going back and forth, praise the Lord, my kidneys are now resolved, and um, 
So uh, as I say, I went through that time and deaths increased and income dropped and, and still God is faithful. As you look to him, he's faithful and as you trust him and don't be scared, he's faithful. And I think as we face this uh, situation, um, we need to look to God for ourselves. We're now a much bigger church than we were a couple of all those years ago. Um, and many more people can give, but we need to take it on ourselves to give and uh, see this need met because it's uh, money that God already has set aside. He just needs a channel to uh, put it through to give it to the church, uh, to, give, to meet the need in the church at uh, this time. So I just encourage you to um, look to the Lord. Don't be scared. He says to be careful for nothing. Uh, obey him when he tells you to give and know exactly what he's telling you and then trust him, and uh, you'll see him bless. He's very faithful. Amen.